Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, team. Thanks for coming back and joining our podcast today, Jeremiah chapter 7. Uh, we're going to finish the chapter today. As a matter of fact, we're going to uh, not only finish chapter 7, we're going to jump into chapter number 8. So I hope you'll uh, stay along uh, with us as we do. I want to introduce this postcard first, though. Uh, this is from Leah Nelson. Leah, thanks for listening. She's a Christian school teacher in Missouri and Maranatha Baptist Academy. And she says some really, really kind things in her postcard. And Leah, thank you for sharing and even some just really uh, heartwarming things that you said. So thank you for being a blessing and listening to the podcast. Route 66 is the uh, postcard today. So Leah, appreciate that. Hey, we're in uh, Jeremiah chapter 7, and We're at the end of the chapter, and it really spills into chapter number eight. Remember that when the Bible was originally given, obviously, there were no chapter or verse divisions. I'm glad that they're there for reference, uh, but they're certainly not inspired in that sense. So uh, to really stay within the thought of uh, the paragraph, we want to go right into chapter number eight. So would you look at uh, chapter seven of verse 32, where we're at the tail end of this message that Jeremiah has preached uh, at the the gate of the temple, and he has unfortunately had to announce that because of the unrepentance of God's people, the inevitability of the Babylonian invasion was upon them, and it was going to be a really massive judgment from God. Uh, last episode, we talked about how the people of God were building these high places, uh, even near Jerusalem in the Valley of Hinnom, or we would say Gehenna, and even doing the unthinkable things like offering their own children in sacrifice. And the Bible says here in verse number 32, therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be called Tophet. Remember, Tophet means a place of burning, a high place, a place of false worship, And what God says is the place that you have made as a place of false worship, the place that you have named as a place to honor your false God will no longer be called that because when the invasion takes place and the Babylonians ransack the city and upend all of your way of life, then it will no longer be called Tophet. The Bible says here in verse number 32 that it shall no more be called Tophet nor the valley of the son of Hinnom but the valley of slaughter, for they shall bury in Tophet till there be no place. So what you have made a place of sacrifice to false gods, when the Babylonians come, so many people are going to be wiped out in the city that they won't have any place left to bury people. This valley will be filled with your own people uh, who have suffered at the invasion of the Babylonians. And it says in verse number 33, And the carcasses of this people shall be meat for the fowls of the heaven. So, so many dead bodies that the 
the birds will treat those bodies as carry-on and just eat them, which means no burial, uh, no respect for the dead bodies, which would be unthinkable for uh, the the Jew, especially with the laws of 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 uh, cleanness and uncleanness. Look at verse number thirty three again, and for the beast of the earth. None shall fray them away or scare them away, lead them away. Verse number 34, then will I cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem, the voice of mirth, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, for the land shall be desolate. Your way of life essentially will be over. You won't be celebrating these marriages and you won't be celebrating these good times. Why? Good times will be over. The city will have been destroyed. The people that that will end up living will be driven away. One third of the city will, will die. One third of the city will be carried back to Babylon itself to be part of the Babylonian captivity. These will be dark days. Look at chapter eight and verse one. At that time, saith the Lord, they shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah and the bones of his princes and the bones of the priests, and the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves. So one of the ways by which a foreign entity would disgrace a defeated power is by desecrating the monuments and desecrating the graves. And so one of the things that Babylonians will do predictively here in Jeremiah's prophecy is that they will take the mausoleums of the kings and the graves of these notable people and take their bones out and just strew their bones uh, all across the the city. And can you imagine that? First of all, that makes everything unclean. Second of all, what a disgrace uh, to all of the honored former leaders of Israel. So this is just another way by which Jerusalem and the nation of Judah will suffer shame at the hand of the Babylonians. Verse number two, and they shall spread them before the sun and the moon. They're going to lay out there all day, all night, and all the host of heaven whom they have loved. So how ironic. So these bones will no longer be in an ossuary, a bone box. They will no longer be in a mausoleum, but now they'll be strewn out. The sun will beat upon it. The moon and the stars will shine upon it. And how ironic, because among the false gods that the people of God have honored are the sun, moon, and stars. So it's almost as if to say, there, you can worship them now. Just how shameful that is. And the Bible says, whom they have served, after whom they have walked, and whom they have sought, whom they have worshiped, they shall not be gathered, nor be buried. They shall be for dung upon the face of the earth. The bones of these notable people in Jerusalem, the bones of these former kings will be nothing better than fertilizer in the earth. That's all that that's as good as they'll be. What shame, what, what an entire destruction that the Babylonians will not only come and destroy those that are living, but will even bring shame to those who have died, many of whom presided over the mediocrity and the lukewarmness of God's people for all these many years as God has been displaying long-suffering. Look at verse number three. 
and death shall be chosen rather than life by all the residue of them that remain of this evil family, which remain in all the places whither I have driven them, saith the Lord of hosts. So we've talked about the destruction of the city. We've talked about the carcasses that will fill the valley. We've talked about the bones of those that have already died being strewn across the land. But what about those people that are still living? What about the people that will remain alive when the Babylonians have finally destroyed Jerusalem? Well, the Bible says they they will wish they had died. Isn't that what it says? Verse number three, the death and death shall be chosen rather than life by all the residue. So what's going to happen is the, the invasion is going to take place. People are going to run for their lives. They're going to be driven to all these various out-of-the-way countries and little nations and towns and villages. They're just going to run and hide. And the Bible says these people are going to have the attitude that we would rather be dead than alive. So even those that survive the Babylonian invasion are going to have a sense of fear and dread and misery and hardship. I mean, these will be difficult days. Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord, shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. So here's the commentary on all of this. Now, with all of this in mind, with such judgment looming, don't you think the people of God would repent? Don't you think the people of God would be scared straight, to put it in that vernacular? And yet the Bible teaches, no, uh, they are as stubborn and as strong-willed, as obstinate as a people can be. Would you look at verse number six? I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness. Nobody saying, what have I done? Everyone turned to his course as the horse rusheth into the battle. So what, what metaphor can we use to describe the obstinacy of these people? What metaphor can we use to describe just how stubborn and strong-willed they are to rebel against God? Well, it would be like a, like a horse running to battle. Have you ever seen a horse in full stride? Have you ever seen a battle horse with the nostrils flaring and uh, the horse galloping? The Bible says that's an, an, an apt picture of the way that people are running away from God, uh, rebelling against God. What, what an image. Uh, look at verse number seven, last verse we'll read. Yea, yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times. The turtle, that would be the turtle dove, and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming, but my people know not the judgment of the Lord. So the illustration here is even the migratory birds know when they're supposed to leave for winter. Even the migratory birds know which way they're supposed to go, where they're supposed to stop, how long they're supposed to stay. These bird-brained Think about it. These bird-brained creatures have more sense than God's own people. They know when, they know where, they know how, they know how long. They know, but God's people know nothing. 
if you've ever been to Israel, there's a place in Israel north of the Sea of Galilee called the Hula Valley, and it's a, a stopping place for many of the birds that migrate from Europe and go down to Africa for the winter. And, and at certain seasons of the year, there are birds everywhere because that's a major route for migration, the Syrian-African uh, rift, you know, the, the, the valley rift, the earthquake rift that goes all the way along that whole section of the earth. And it's a, a place of huge bird migration. So as Jeremiah writes this, uh, all the people in Jerusalem, all the people in God's country, they have seen birds season after season after season. And so this metaphor is going to loom large in their mind that we are we are more stupid than the bird brain creatures that know when, where, how, and how long. Or like that horse that makes it way to battle. What imagery? And yet God's people just re- refused to repent. I think we're going we're to stop there in verse number seven of chapter eight. But what a warning uh, for you and me today that uh, the the road of rebellion is a foolish road indeed. And we need to take heed to the clear counsel of God's word, don't we? So that's it. We'll stop there in verse number seven. We'll jump right into verse number eight, a next uh, episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.